Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us around the state this afternoon on the Super Talk Radio Network, also online, wherever you may be tuned in. Luke is back, Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Glad to have you back, Mr. Johnson. Glad to be it. It's cold outside, Bob Getty, but getting ready for some basketball and we're talking some southern miss football today i'm, I'm pumped to, to be back for today right, we're glad to have you back uh, opening segment sponsored by dickie's barbecue pit proud supporters of southern miss athletics and of course the eagle hour and we're proud to promote them each and every day what a great weekend for some barbecue you can enjoy it in the dining room you can drive through pick it up take it home they'll deliver it to your house however you choose just be sure you choose dickie's barbecue pit all right, we're going to continue our conversation with the new coaching staff of Southern Miss football. Today, we're very happy to have Dan O'Brien, the new safeties coach on the Eagle Hour. Coach, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you guys having me. Well, we, we've got lots to ask you about, and obviously we want to get to your safeties, but uh, your your resume is, is so, so impressive. Uh, you've worked for Kirby Smart and, uh, of course, Nick Saban. Uh, you worked for Bill Belichick. And you worked five years uh, as a coach at the Naval Academy. I, we'll get to Southern Mystery in a second, but I, I have to ask you about this. Your five years at the Naval Academy, Luke and I talking before we went on the air, Coach, and uh, about the Army-Navy game every year. As a huge fan of that every year, I have to tell you, it, I probably don't need to tell you, but it's emotional watching that football game every year on TV. I can only imagine what it's like to be part of it. Can you Can you describe that to us quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's probably one of the best game day experiences I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, the chills, I mean, coaching it as many years as I did, you still get chills walking out of the tunnel before that one. Um, not usually because of the weather, but because of the uh, whole atmosphere and everything else that surrounds the game, the pageantry of it, um, you know, who's there, you know, having the president, having the leaders of our, of our government there. And, uh, you know, you you get to – experience such a high-profile game in that aspect and a great environment and uh you know it's 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 amazing and it means so much doesn't it to to everybody everybody in the stadium on both sides of the field it really means a lot doesn't it a hundred percent and to the the branches of the armed services that they represent you know with the navy within the marine corps on one side and then you have the you know, you know west point and army on the other and uh, it's the one day a year those two uh, really don't like each other anymore. <laughs> well, it's something that captures the attention of the entire nation, and it's just a beloved day every year, and I, I know that you are honored to be a part of it. Well, we're happy to have you here in Hattiesburg right now, safeties coach for the Golden Eagles. A lot of folks anxious to get back to that traditional Southern Miss tough nose football coach. Uh, tell us that that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, Coach Hall's got a great plan. We got a great staff. 
um, as eager as everybody else is, we are too as coaches to, you know, get on the get out on the field with these guys. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Um, you know, the players have been great with us. You know, they want to they want to do well. They want to perform well, and we're going to do everything in our power as coaches to make that happen. All right, Luke, get in here. Dan O'Brien, new safeties coach for the Golden Eagles. Coach O'Brien, thanks so much for coming on today. We've seen in really, I guess, the last five years, uh, teams and defenses really adapt to two position coaches in the secondary where historically you had one guy that was coaching up. Is that because you started seeing more you know, nickel and dime and then even seven backs back there? And I guess teams uh, with, the, with the evolution of the spread and the passing game, teams uh, put a lot more emphasis in the secondary. Is that why? Yeah, I think with the, the changing of the game and, and the whole RPO scheme and um, you know, the personnel that the offense has put out there, even the tight end positions really aren't the same as they used to be. Um, they get to come out in those personnel groupings where it seems like they're bigger people, but they're still creating the same uh, formations they would have in lighter personnel. So it's, you know, it's, it's transitioned more to a nickel defensive scheme. Um, even with the, the down linemen, I mean, you still have to have your big guys to stop the run, but you're seeing a little bit more of the smaller ends that can play in space and do some other things that I think is really transition defenses in, in the game, in the scheme of things, and you, and you want speed on the field. That's what you want. I'm, I'm excited. When I read about your experience, I played with Chad Williams uh, at, at Southern Miss. Excited to have him back in, in Hattiesburg. And we, we talked to Coach Armstrong, and we talked, talked to Coach Lacey. Both of those guys talk about the physical nature that they expected this defense. Coach Armstrong just talking about he wanted he, – we were going to come after people, you know, play smart, but we were going to come after people. What's the kind of the philosophy in the secondary for you and Coach Williams? Well, I mean, it's like Coach Armstrong said, we're going we're gonna to come after people. And we're gonna we're gonna cover on the on the perimeter. Um, you know, you have to have the ability to cover, and if you want to be able to bring people, so um, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of different looks. We're gonna give uh, offenses a lot of different looks. We're gonna give them, you know, different fronts up front. We're gonna be able to pressure from all different places, um, and really, we're gonna try to confuse the offenses. We're gonna try to force an offense to make a mistake, and and allow our offense to have the ball and and have some opportunities. We uh, we talked to Coach Hall and we talked to uh, the coordinator. Or we talked to a few of the coordinators on on the offensive side of the ball. And they never want to discuss personnel, Coach, because you know specific personnel. Because you guys are, are getting to know um, the the new guys. But Coach Hall making a commitment to your secondary and with some of the transfers coming in, uh, we lose Kyle Hemby. But I guess generally speaking, a new coach at a new school, what is the general uh, route you take to begin to to know players and to begin to evaluate, you know, what you got before spring takes place? Well, um, a lot of it is, you know, you just try to bring them in one by one and get to know the guy. Um, Not necessarily what they can do football-wise. You you try to learn about them as people, you know, family, um, and just kind of build a relationship with them first and then, once you build that relationship, the football stuff will come, obviously, once we get out on the field and start doing stuff. Um, but right now, it's just about building our relationships with them, knowing they can trust us, we can trust them, and and uh, really really get to know them more as a person than a player. And then, in our vision, eventually the football stuff will come once we can actually do it. Coach O'Brien, uh, give, if you can, our listeners uh, a sense of what the atmosphere is like with spring football just around the corner, the new coaching staff uh, in town, uh, what we thought was a really good recruiting class. Well, what's the atmosphere like uh, right now around Southern Miss football? 
uh, there's a lot of excitement, to be honest, a lot of eagerness. Um, speaking for myself, I mean, I can't wait to get out on the field with these guys. I know these guys want to get on the field. Um, you know, just, you know, obviously we're, you know, talking scheme and implementing our, our new system with them. Um, but you can tell with these kids just talking to them how excited they are to, to get out there and actually execute the scheme. And, and again, you know, like, like we talked about with, uh, our defensive scheme of having the ability to pressure people and, and allowing these kids to have some fun playing in our scheme. Um, and then, you know, just the overall excitement level around here is, is really high right now. What attracted you to the job and, and what attracted you to Southern Miss, Coach? Um, well, outside of the, the, the people that work here, um, you know, obviously this program's had a lot of tradition in the past. And, you know, I really believe in Coach Hall's vision with it. Um, and, uh, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I know, I know we can win here. I think we're going to be able to win here um, quickly. And, and you know, just trust within the the program with the type of kids we're, we're coaching and the staff that we're working with, you know, we're all really excited to um, get rolling here. Luke? Last thing, uh, really, really for me, Coach, um, you look back at some of these just unbelievable coaches. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest coaches in NFL history with Bill Belichick, and we're talking about the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban. You were under Coach Smart. Uh, you were under a great coaching staff up at up at the Naval Academy. I guess just our listeners just love the fact that somebody in Hattiesburg has had that much uh, interaction and has sat under some of the greatest minds in football. How has that rubbed off on you as a coach? Well, you know, to be honest, at a lot of those places, you just sit back and are a fly on the wall trying to absorb in as much stuff as you possibly can. Because, um, like you said, they're, they're the greatest minds in, in football at their levels. Um, you know, having worked up at the Patriots for Coach Belichick, you know, I worked in scouting, so it was I, I probably spent more time with Scott Pioli than I did with Coach Belichick, but still the interactions and, you know, you just try to – soak in as much knowledge as you can because they they really are the smartest at their levels they game management um outside of football um the off-season stuff recruiting um i mean it's it's hard to just pinpoint one thing you just try to absorb as much info and and everything else that you can while you're in those situations All right, Coach, we want to thank you for coming on the Eagle Hour. We've really enjoyed getting to know all you guys and talking to you. We're happy to have you here in Hattiesburg and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you guys for having me. Really excited about this opportunity and uh, can't wait to get rolling here. There we go. Coach Dan O'Brien, everybody, safeties coach for the Golden Eagles. When we come back, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, we're going to catch up with Professor. He was tied up on the breaking news yesterday, but things have calmed down a little bit. And going to talk sports with Prof next. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Our thanks to Dan O'Brien, the new safeties coach for Southern Miss, for joining us in the opening segment. Got Patrick McGee, our good friend from the Biloxi Sun-Herald on with us today. 
And uh, Patrick, always uh, good to have you. Uh, we are one week away today, Patrick, from baseball season. Uh, your thoughts as we get close to a, 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 a baseball season? I think everybody's been waiting for. Well, I know. I know this weather probably has everybody feeling baseball feel like yeah, two exactly. months away. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, we're and it can be that way uh, to start the season, and that's how it's going to. Thankfully, I think it's supposed to clear up a little bit by Friday. Uh, once they start the season, but it's going to be some cold baseball early on. And uh, but you know, right now basketball is kind of in a hard spot, you know, on a losing skid. And I think everybody's kind of uh, angling towards baseball season. I know it's, it's going to be a little bit unusual. Uh, they haven't announced the attendance uh, uh, structure yet on how they're going to let people into the stadium. Uh, but I know people are really kind of anxious and looking forward to this to kind of get some good news after a, a rough. Uh, uh, football season and in a in a bumpy basketball season here recently. Yeah, I happened to be I happened to talk to Coach Barry this morning on the phone, and he brought up something that uh, I really had kind of forgotten about. But he and you could hear the glee in his voice when he said, "Synthetic field this year, we're not going to miss many games." So that's going to be a yeah. big difference, isn't it? Yeah, especially when they're trying to squeeze in four games on a weekend uh, during conference play. That's imagine you know. <laughs> Imagine in the past on on the field they had previously, you know, it rains once on a you know pretty heavily on a Saturday morning, and now their weekend's really screwed up. Uh, so to uh, to have that that field ready to go for this season, uh, when it's going to be a little bit, you know, you're trying to squeeze games in on the weekend. I think it's going to be a big difference. I mean, you're talking about uh, maybe two to three, maybe three games on the schedule that would have been canceled two years ago. They're probably going to get played this year on weekends. Right. And were you pretty much in agreement with the uh, with the four kids that were named, uh, you know, preseason all conference? Was there anybody that you felt like maybe got snubbed that shouldn't have been? No, I, I think it was about right. I, I, you know, uh, I give credit to the conference for putting all three of the Southern Miss pitchers on the uh, uh, on uh, on the on the team because they deserve to be there. Uh, position player wise, you know, you're not really looking at that lineup and saying, "Well, that guy's going to be gangbusters," and we all know. Gabe Montenegro, you know, any given weekend can just tear it up. And, uh, you know, he had a fine season last year, but just never really kind of got to where he's capable of going. So I think this year he's capable of – I know he's going to come out determined to have a better year. And uh, they need him to have a big season at the top of the lineup. So altogether, I think they pretty much got it right. All right, Luke, get in here with the professor. Uh, you know, you always want to know who the up-and-comer guys are. I, I, I feel like Slade Wilkes, it's going to be maybe not the same trajectory, and I don't want to put unrealistic expectations on him. But, Patrick, don't you feel like Slade Wilkes is going to be – there's going to be a series where he's just going to say, oh, wow, that's Matt Walner 2.0. Uh, do you think that he's going to hit for just power? Do you feel like he can hit over 300, or is he going to be like a 270 guy with – you know, 10 home runs and, and 40, 45 RBIs? Uh, really, you take any of those <laughs> uh, out of a freshman. Uh, I think he's got the power to be a game changer, but I don't think anybody uh, in that Southern Miss uh, uh, on that staff is thinking, well, you know, we're just going to ride Wilkes. You know, he's going to hit 15, 16 homers. Uh, you know, Barry is expecting to play a similar type of ball uh, to what they had last year, but I, I think everybody agrees there's more pop in the lineup this year, but nothing that's anywhere remotely to where Southern Miss was a couple of years ago with Walner and, uh, you know, uh, Luke Reynolds and guys like that. Uh, but Wilkes has got that potential. I mean, I agree that maybe a month in you start to see him, you know, 
really kind of take off. Uh, I think they really think highly of him and his mental approach at the plate, and that's a good sign that he should be pretty productive at the plate pretty early in his career. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think Wilkes has got a chance to have a, a really good first season, uh, but you just don't know really till you put him out there. And it's going to be a, a, a different level of pitching, really, that everybody's going to be facing this year in college baseball. So uh, run production, may, I think, is going to be down slightly across. I know that a lot, a lot of experienced hitters in there as well, but often good pitching beats good hitting. So I think across college baseball, you're gonna, not going to see you know, some ridiculous numbers like we've seen you know, in the last decade. Talking about good pitching, Eagles have it. Um, Hunter Stanley on the all-conference team is interesting. They, they named him as a relief pitcher, and that's where he would return as. Uh, if you were putting him in a fantasy baseball, he wouldn't qualify as a starting pitcher yet. But, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of talk that he's going to be the, the third guy. He's going to be the Sunday guy next week or might be the Saturday guy next weekend uh, unless they put Boyd or, or Best in there. Do you, do you feel like Stanley's going to end up being the, the three or four starter? Yeah, I think that's where things have kind of pointed to. I, I, Barry has always liked to have a left-hander in the rotation. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we may see an unusual, maybe a rotation to start the season, the first two or three weekends that we weren't seeing in the past. One of those starters might start out of the, out of the uh, bullpen if they don't think they're quite 100% healthy. Maybe Gabe Shepard's in that role. I don't know. To start the season, if, if you want to have that lefty in the – on the weekends and have Walker Powell and Hunter Stanley, who I think are pretty firmly entrenched as weekend starters. But then again, Barry sure. just say, well, what, what, what we could do is just, you know, uh, hey, you know, we're just going to have to make Stanley our midweek guy for, you know, to start the season and we work him into the weekend rotation. I don't think they'll do that with Stanley, but maybe with one of the other guys. Uh, so th- there's a lot of different things they can do, but it's, you know, it's a bit of a luxury. You have so many arms that they have confidence that they Absolutely. can put in there. Yeah. So I, I think uh, it, it could look a little – it's going to look different, I think, to start the season, but it's going to all make sense once the conference play starts. Patrick, I'm going to throw one more baseball question at you. i got a Saints question before I let you go today. But name us one or two kids that we're not talking a lot about that you think has the potential to be a real dark horse and really make a name for themselves this year. Um, I think Wien, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, the uh, the first year guy out of uh, uh, PRCC, uh, he's a he's a guy that uh, you know I think from all indications I heard that he was you know in the competition to maybe get some playing time, a significant amount of playing time at third base. It's all about who who can hit left handed pitching, and I think Wayne, if you look at his numbers, he started his career at Wake Forest, hit the ball well at Pearl River last year. He's somebody that if you know one or two guys kind of he can play third base and or you know or second base. Uh, I think he's somebody that has the potential to plug in, and you can really put Kay Crosby in that same discussion as well. But uh, Wien is an advanced bat, you know, or experienced guy. Uh, maybe he's somebody that can make a difference in the lineup. So he's somebody I'm going to be watching closely. Uh, so, you know, if, if McGillis or Lynch just start out a little bit cold, uh, maybe we can see a little bit of him early in the season. So I, I think he's somebody that I'm going to be watching closely to see if he can make a difference. Now the Golden Eagles are set to make another serious run at winning the conference championship. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it would take, uh, you know, a lot of things kind of going wrong for this team health-wise. And, uh, you know, you just cross your fingers that everything goes okay on the COVID side uh, for this team. Because, I mean, obviously it's set up for a special season. Uh, not only, a you know, a conference championship type team, but the potential to host a NCAA regional as long as the 
postseason looks like it has in the past. I think I think by May, I think everything will normalize to a degree. So if Southern Miss is having a really good season, rolling through Conference USA, which is going to be a tough conference. It's not going to be an easy conference this year. Uh, but if Southern Miss is playing as capable as it is, I think it's certainly capable of at least hosting a first-round regional. Well, that's good to hear. Florida Atlantic and Southern Miss for the championship. That's my prediction uh, right now, but uh, the time will tell. All right, Patrick, about a minute and a half left. I, I want to know, if, is Drew Brees retiring or not? No, he, I mean, I would assume so. I mean, I I don't see how he doesn't retire, to be honest. I mean, I would be surprised. I would, I would be very surprised if he comes back. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong, uh, but, I mean, I expected him to wait a little bit before he made it official. I'm not sitting here saying, well, why didn't Drew said it yet? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I expect him to retire. Well, I asked that because what, I, well, I did read things, where a couple of players have, have encouraged him to come back. Well, I don't know who those players are, but, I mean, who just at his age just can't endure a full season anymore. I mean, it's, it's just tough on him. I mean, he's fairly effective, really, really accurate when he's in there, but they have to be able to throw the ball down the field. And uh, Drew just really can't do that much anymore. You're not, you're not crying, are you, Luke? Well, it, I, my wife is crying. I mean, that's how that's, – <laughs> she was more heartbroken. But, I mean, Demario Davis made some comments. But, Patrick, you know, he, he had to do this contract deal because he signed a two-year contract. But, I mean, that's, that's the first step is basically renegotiating the contract so that he doesn't take as big as a, a hit on the salary cap and the Saints can start doing what they mm-hmm. need to do roster-wise. Yeah, yeah, the the cap thing always just kind of gives me a headache uh, whenever I try to get into it, and it's it's probably why I'm not covering the NFL. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's going to be a it, it, they've got to figure out things on that end because the Saints are going to be in a rough position coming in to try to fill out a roster for next year. There's probably going to be some tough decisions to make, uh, but Breeze does have to uh, do some things and work with management to make it make it workable for the team. All right, Patrick, before we run out of time, fill in the blank. Next year, the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints will be? <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston. That's what I think, yes. too. I think so, too. All right, Patrick. Uh, Patrick going to start joining us on Wednesday starting next week. So, Patrick, we'll look forward to talking to you in just about three or four days. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Patrick, every Wednesday starting this week, and we're always glad to have his contribution to the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Chilly Friday. It's going to be a cold weekend. It's going to be a cold Monday. Bundle up. And uh, always remember the third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to go eat some great food, hang out with some people. 4th Street Bar and Grill with Catfish Friday, literally today. There was farm-raised catfish from Mississippi, slaw, hush puppies, fries, and a drink, and it was only eight ninety-five. Bob Getty, another Friday. Yep, yep, yep. 
we missed out on 4th Street Bar yep. Grill, but a, a great place uh, to go, great place uh, to go this weekend. So 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour, Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And a dismal downtown Laurel, but a, a beautiful downtown Laurel. Kelly Sander joins us on the phone. What's up, Sander? I hadn't talked to you this week. Yeah, Lucas. Now, how can it both be dismal and beautiful? It's always beautiful. The sky is dismal today. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for that clarification. Yeah, buddy, it's good Good to have you back as well. Let me get you guys up to date on a little bit about a lot of things here in our last segment. Of course, college basketball tonight, Conference USA style, North Texas at Southern Miss. And the Massey ratings has North Texas. The, look, Louie fired up about the game tonight. Uh, North Texas coming into Southern Miss. North Texas ranked 92nd. In the Massey ratings, Southern Miss 249, North Texas a seven-point favorite. According to the Massey ratings, the final score will be 67-60, to 60, North Texas. We'll see how that plays out. College football, Jackson State will be on ESPN this spring six times. ESPN unveiled its college football schedule uh, today and again announced that Jackson State will have six of its games televised beginning against Mississippi Valley. Overkill, on, uh, maybe? February 27th, and then Grambling on March 6th, so the debut of Neon Deion Sanders and uh, the Jackson State Tigers six times on ESPN. Hattiesburg's Davis Riley on the PGA Tour shot a two over par 72 yesterday in the AT&T Pebble Beach Golf Tournament on the PGA Tour. He is one under today through seven holes, so that puts him one over for the tournament. The projected cut line is one under par. And Mississippi is one of 12 states that is advancing a bill through the legislature that would ban transgender athletes from participating women in women's sports. Again, 12 states uh, advancing, and Mississippi is one of them, that would not allow transgender athletes to participate in women's sports. There are some uh, legal experts that say it doesn't matter what the legislatures do, that, that if, it, um, if it was thought in courts that it would be ruled unconstitutional, um, that it would be against a person, that that law would be considered unconstitutional against a person's individual rights. But there you have the world that we're living in today, guys. A little bit about a lot of things. What about the rights of the young women who virtually have been eliminated from any chance of being successful? Because, look, be honest, they're, they're competing against boys. It's a fair argument, Bob. I, I, I don't. I don't. This is what happens when you open these can of worms. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I, nobody wants anybody to be discriminated against. Obviously, no American wants anybody else to be, you know, discriminated against. But I, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, is a father who watched his daughter compete in athletics from the time she was nine years old till she was 18 years old and at the Mississippi Delta Junior College, it's outrageous to think that these kids should have to compete against boys. I mean, it's just, uh, why don't we have boys, girls, and transgender sports if that's what we've got to have? But uh, just my two cents worth, Luke. Well, and, 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 how, and why does it always seem to be that it's, it's uh, males, to females. Well, we know I, I, why, right? Because the well, females to males are not going to win. Well, I, I I understand what you're saying. But, again, it's 
let, let's just say this this was not a concern 40 years ago when we were no, growing up. No, it was not. <laughs> I can only imagine having brought that up to my high school football coach up in Alexandria yeah, well, uh, back, back in did, the days of no face masks. Say, if, if you did an hour later when you woke up <laughs> or came to. <laughs> yeah, the next thing he would have said is, now take some salt pills and don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> R- rub some dirt on it and get back in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So well, God, so, anyway. so God created man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them. Genesis one twenty seven says, "Yeah, I think the whole thing, it, it's it's collapsing because it's like in in one sense, uh, let let's cheer for for our girls. Let's let's uh, champion girls. I mean, this is why Title Nine exists, right? So female athletes have equality, and and we can uh, celebrate their achievements. And so the whole thing just undermines." Uh, the, the the other part of that movement. So, no yeah, question. I, I just yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you uh, brought Ike it Center, up, North Texas coming in and uh, backs against the wall. Golden Eagles got to do something this weekend. I, I feel like uh, they they've they got to win like you know the remaining uh, probably all or, or most of the remaining games to to possibly even just make the conference tournament. And, and North Texas, of course, the defending conference champions. They've won five out of the last six. Uh, they swept UTEP, they swept Rice, and they split with Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, um, drop contests to all of those teams. What's kind of your thoughts of the weekend? Yeah, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, Luke, when you were gone. They've got, they have to win at least one this weekend. Um, and then the, the schedule does soften a little bit with the two um, FU schools, uh, FIU and FAU, and I'm not sure which one they have in Hattiesburg. Um because F, FIU is at the bottom of the heap on the east side. So there's no question that Southern Miss can, can, uh, can play the Panthers pretty well. Um, and, and I don't know if you have the schedule pulled up in front of you, but hopefully they have the yeah, Owls. At, at FIU next yeah. weekend. And that's, okay, uh, good. And then they got FAU at home the 26th and 27th of February. Yeah, that's good that they have the Owls here. So, yeah, but then they've got to get some help. Because, I mean, even if they, even if they overtake UTEP, you know, then you're going to have to catch UT San Antonio, and the Roadrunners have that tiebreaker. So, um, you know, they do they do have to finish strong, and Coach Leiter admitted that on Wednesday. You know, so man, they've just been so close in so many games. You just wish that that one of those would finally break their direction. You know, yep. and um, and and what it would mean from a confidence standpoint if they could get one under their belts this weekend. Yep, no question. You know, so I. Uh... How do you evaluate this season? I'm not going to, to throw COVID out there. I'm not going. To, there is a legitimate part about it where this team didn't have time to gel early. Um, is how should a Southern Miss fan feel about this season so far? I mean, it's just kind of underwhelming and disappointment comes to mind, and that's not to to say that these guys haven't fought. Um, there have been some games where you say, well, who's that team out on the court? And then the next day, it's, it's nip and tuck the whole game, and they lose it in the last minute. But, I mean, just just kind of feel underwhelmed. That's, I, I think that's the general feeling out there in the general public because, you know, people, fans of the school and fans of the school come up and, of course, they, they tell us their, their feelings all the time. But I don't feel that way at all. I, I feel like they, they performed exactly the way that people expected them to perform. Because of COVID now, remember, everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. So this is a, this is a team, if they, if they stay together, you know, could develop, you know, for a very long time. You thought Clarence Weatherspoon was in school a long time. I mean, <laughs> it seemed like he was in school 
a long time, like Purvis Ellison, these guys that start since they were freshmen. You know, some of these guys could be in Southern Miss uniforms for a long, long time. So they're taking baby steps, and there's really only, there's really maybe a couple of games that they were blown out, but every, every other one of the games they've been competitive in, you know, with, with a very young roster. Um, so I, I think it has gone exactly the way it was supposed to. I even think they've maybe won a few more games than, than maybe some people expected early on. That's me. So, so you're saying so, we, we had two high, high expectations on this team? Yes, I, I think from the beginning. Remember when the, when the free season poll came out, Southern Miss was picked to, to finish dead last, and I thought maybe that that was that I was a little bit surprised by that. I thought they'd finish a little bit higher than that, but um, but I'm not I'm not greatly uh, surprised. Again, all I ever want is for the team to compete, and other than a couple games, they've been competing. And again, there's five or six games. You know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, every day be Christmas. I get that, but. But, you know, a, a couple of shots here and a couple of turnovers there, and you're taking five losses and maybe getting three or four wins. You know, so, um, I mean, I just think they're, they're right on the verge. And, unfortunately, they're going to be playing probably their best basketball and time's going to run out on them. And then they have to start building, you know, for next year. Uh, but I, I, think the, I think the future of this program is, is really, really bright. This is one season. I mean, look at, look at what North Carolina or – uh, look at Kentucky. What are they? Five and eleven, or something like that. I mean, it's pretty wild. It's the first time since yeah. 1961 that Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina, and there's like one more team that aren't in the top 25. Yeah, it's just been it's just been a really weird year. But when you're building this program almost from the ground up, even though Coach Ladner isn't, you know, but it's it it wasn't much further up than the ground up. You know, and you're building it for the long haul. You got to make sure that every brick is in place and that that mortar is pretty solid. All right, one more segment to go. When we come back, Luke, I'm gonna share some. I'm gonna share something with you about Kelly's poor behavior when you were gone, Uh-oh. and uh, we'll wrap up another week of the Eagle Hour on the other side of the break. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Friday brought to you by D-Bad and D-1 Training located in Hattiesburg, Mississippi on Highway 98, the place to go for all kinds of instruction in baseball and softball. It can improve your child's game and go see them at D-Bat and then D-1 Training next door so you can get in the, uh, the best shape of your life. That's all at D-Bat and D-1 Training in Hattiesburg, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Back on a Friday, Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly on the phone with us. If if you wanted to watch Southern Miss sports until it got uh, frozen three this weekend, it was lined up perfectly. I mean, there was stuff in every single sport. But uh, as yeah. the cold weather has moved in, the outdoor sports, some of them have been canceled. The Black and Gold Invitational for softball, North Dakota, Murray State, 
Houston Baptist were all coming in. Officially right now, just this afternoon's game, softball's game against North Dakota has been canceled, so I'm not sure how that's going to affect the rest of the weekend. Lady Eagles are supposed to play Murray State tomorrow at 11.30, Houston Baptist at 2, and then Sunday, North Dakota at 2. But right now, today's game is canceled. Soccer was supposed to take on Grambling today uh, at, at 6 p.m. in Hattiesburg. That's canceled. Men's tennis was uh, is postponed. They were supposed to, to play. But there is such a thing as indoor track, and they will continue. Uh, Coach Stewart's track and field team up in Nashville, Tennessee, hosted by Vanderbilt at the Music City Challenge. Uh, the last indoor meet of the year before the Conference USA Championships next week in Birmingham. Uh, volleyball uh, set to take on Rice, uh, hosting them 1 p.m. Sunday and then 12 p.m. Monday. Again, uh, their their series last week at UTEP was was uh, postponed. And then, of course, men and women's basketball, Lady Eagles traveling out to Denton, Texas. They play tonight at 6.30 and tomorrow at 3.30. And I didn't get to play Rice last week, so I know they're chomping at the bit. And then, of course, the men are hosting North Texas. Tonight's game at 7 p.m. in Reed Green. Tomorrow's game at 4 p.m. in Reed Green Coliseum. Both of those games on ESPN+. Plus. All right. Well, uh, too bad for that. If it's not COVID, it's cold weather. And, you know, you when you've come from North Dakota, you've traveled a long way. So I'm suspecting that you want to get in a game or two, and hopefully uh, those kids will be able to do that tomorrow. All right, look, I've shared this with you. You were gone, of course, all last week. And so I came on the air Monday, and I was so excited and geared up and ready to talk about the Super Bowl. Sander was so distraught over Tom Brady getting his seventh championship ring Luke, he refused to discuss the Super Bowl with me. He would not talk to the to me really? about the Super Bowl on the air. Is that true, Sander? I didn't even watch it, Luke. Honestly, I, I didn't watch a single snap. And according to what Bob was saying yesterday, the ratings were horrible for the Super Bowl this year. And I did I did my part. Thank you very much. Well, horrible. I've got to keep things in perspective. Horrible was ninety-two million people. So, I mean, well, compared to other Super yeah, Bowls, yeah. Though. So it's not like nobody was watching it, but yeah. So what do you make of that, Luke? He he just he he just. I've never seen such hatred of greatness. He he just won't talk about it. So Kelly, did you watch the commercials and then fast forward through the game after you recorded it? I watched nothing. What did you watch? That the commercials were, were fairly decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do on Sunday night? You won't believe me if I told you. I read a book. <laughs> no, we don't believe you. What did you really do, Kelly? I did. It I had read pictures, a book. didn't it? Well, it was, it was a, a, little, a little boy named Dick and a little girl named Jane, and they had this cat named Puff. And It was a coloring book, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Did you use, uh, use colored pencils or crayons? You know, it wasn't, you know, it was nice pictures. It looked like it was printed in about 1958, and I think it was 12 pages long. Uh, and it took you the full four hours to work your way through it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, I, I actually, you know, I went to bed. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I did read, but watched a little something else on TV, maybe some. Um, oh, I remember. I think I, I watched some uh, DVR'd uh, Jerry Springer episodes I had uh, <laughs> Baby mama beatdowns, I think. <laughs> or, Seriously or though, what what do you make what do you make of the of the uh, ninety two million and the more millions that did not watch? Um, I, you know, I I just I didn't want to be tired of Tom Brady. I'm just tired of it, you know, uh, and, and it's why American Idol after a while 
you know, goes off the air. It's why people get sick of seeing the same old thing. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know. You, you know, the younger generation is not, is not embracing football. Um, the political stuff with the NFL, that certainly probably played a part in it. Um, the fact that there um, you know, were COVID issues, that weren't going to be a lot of big crowd there, that a lot of older people didn't know who the halftime performer was, even though Weekend had the, top, the number one, number two, and number three top 40 songs wow. all at the same time, which is really remarkable. Right. I just think when you, when you add all that stuff together, it just, it just was a recipe for disaster, ratings-wise. Um, and again, I don't like Tom Brady. I respect him greatly. I just don't like him. I'm tired of him. I want to see something new. See what I dealt with, Luke? See what I dealt with while you were gone? All week. That's why all, I came uh, back. All week. All week. Well, Kelly, I want to tell, I want to share one thing with you that will make you feel better. Okay. Both Tom Brady and Gronk got invited to Disneyland after it was over. So it was a twofer at Disney World. Yeah, so they go from one Mickey Mouse outfit to another. <laughs> How about J.J. Watt saying goodbye to the Texans today? Big news in the NFL. All right, that wraps up. Russell Wilson might not be at the Seahawks. This is, what is happening? Yeah, I could see them both wearing burgundy and gold next year. I think it would be a fitting color. Stay warm this weekend and dry. We hope you'll join us. The guys will be here Monday. I'll be out. Until then, Southern Miss. To the the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.